Welcome to God is Open. I'm your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we are going to be reading sections from Atheism, The Case Against God by George H. Smith. And he talks about the problems of omniscience. Uh, philosophically, we're going to kind of skip his little biblical parts, um, but we will talk about his philosophical objections to the negative attribute of omniscience after reading, reading his take on this. The Christian God is commonly said to be omniscient. He knows everything, past, present, and future. Here again, we are facing a hybrid characteristic, one that is partially positive and partially negative. Omniscience entails knowledge without limits. The first problem with omniscience is that it cannot be reconciled with any theory of free will and man. If one believes in an omniscient being, one cannot consistently hold that man has volitional control over his actions. If God knows the future with infallible certainty, the future is predetermined and man is impotent to change it. Some theologians, such as Calvin, have enthusiastically embraced predestination, but most theologians Sensing the enormous problems entailed by this doctrine have attempted to defend some theory of volition. Without volition, morality becomes meaningless. We cannot blame or praise a man for an action over which he has no control. Without volition, the Christian scheme of salvation is a farce. Men are predestined for either heaven or hell. They have no voice in the matter. Why does God create men only to save some arbitrarily and damn others? Why does the Christian bother to proselytize since men cannot help what they believe anyways? The problems that arise for theology if it affirms predestination are unsolvable. But they necessarily ensue when omniscience is attributed to God. Skipping forward, theologians have devised a number of unsuccessful ways to reconcile omniscience and free will. One method is to argue that God's foreknowledge does not impose itself on the course of events, and God knows a free action according to the nature of the event itself, which is free. This, of course, solves nothing, because it evades the central issue, how can an event be free in the first place if God has infallible knowledge of it prior to its happening? Another approach has been to argue that God does not exist in time at all, but this serves only to strengthen agnosticism. Other attempts at reconciliation are similarly unimpressive, so it seems that a Christian is forever plagued with the dilemma of preaching a religion of salvation to a world of men who, according to the doctrine of omniscience, are nothing more than automatons. There is another irritating problem with the idea of omniscience. It contradicts the attribute of Omnipotence. If God knows the future with infallible certainty, he cannot change it, in which case he cannot be omnipotent. If God can change the future, however, he cannot have infallible knowledge of it prior to it actually happening, in which case he cannot be omniscient. This is similar to the issue of, in what sense, if any, God can be said to have free will. Does God know his own future decisions? If so, how can those decisions be free? Perhaps God does not make decisions. If so, how can the idea of volition apply to a being with no decisions, and hence no choices, to make? The major problem with omniscience is that the knowledge of God bears no resemblance to the concept of knowledge as we understand it. 
Which is by now a familiar problem. Consider the prerequisites of knowledge. In order to know anything, a being must be conscious. And this presupposes a living organism. If God is said to know everything, therefore we must presume that God is a conscious living being. In what sense can God be said to be alive? God is not even a material being, much less a biological organism with metabolic processes. The concept of life has no meaning when applied to God. The same is true of consciousness. While some theists refer to God as pure consciousness, consciousness apart from matter, this amounts to nonsense. Consciousness is the state of awareness present in some living organisms and it presupposes an entity, a material organism, with this state of awareness. If consciousness is lifted from its conceptual framework and is presented as something other than the characteristic of life, then it is divorced from its basis in reality and becomes a floating abstraction, a vague idea with no referent in the real world. As with other concepts derived from our experience with the natural phenomena, Consciousness cannot be extended to a supernatural realm without sacrificing its content. Now consider what is entailed by knowledge. Man possesses knowledge in the form of concepts. Conceptualization is a mental process of abstracting and integrating the concretes of one's experience into mental units, such as table or chair. Abstractions must be abstracted from something. They must be acquired through mental effort. And since man is not infallible, he requires a method to distinguish true beliefs from false beliefs. This is the function of verification. These two elements, acquisition and verification, are essential to the concept of knowledge as we understand it. Knowledge must come from somewhere and it must be verified by some means. When the Christian claims that God is omniscient, however, he wishes to exclude acquisition and verification from God's knowledge. If God acquired his knowledge, that means that at some point in time, i.e. before he had acquired all possible knowledge, God was not omniscient. If God verified his knowledge, this means that his knowledge was uncertain prior to the verification. Thus, omniscience would cease to be a character trait and attribute existing internally within God. When the theologian posits the omniscience of God, he wishes to convey the idea of a non-acquired and non-verified knowledge. Knowledge that is immediate and infallible, knowledge inherent in God's nature. But if this is the case, God's knowledge cannot be in conceptual form, which is to say that God's knowledge is totally different from man's knowledge. We are, once again, dealing with a difference in kind rather than degree. The knowledge of God is unintelligible and unknowable. To say that God is omniscient is to distort the concept of knowledge beyond recognition. It simply adds another unknowable attribute to an unknowable being. So this is George H. Smith's take on omniscience and how omniscience is unintelligible. Uh, it, it doesn't map to anything that we have familiarity with, and it contradicts God's other attributes. And then it also necessitates fatalism, because this knowledge is eternal, it's absolute, it's infallible, it's, it's always existing. There's not some point where God makes the decision and then acquires the new knowledge, because the knowledge 
has to be ungenerated and unverified in the mind of God forever. And like many other problems with these negative attributes, they're indistinguishable from non-existence. In the classical conception of God, where God is immutable outside of time, and uh, he doesn't have any predicates, God is indistinguishable from nothing. And the entire world is fated to be whatever it is. God is just part and parcel of the universe in this model. What's the difference between having God who predestines or controls or foreknows everything? Um, what function does he have in the world if he is powerless, impotent to change anything at all that ever happens? Everything must happen infallibly as it has been foreknown for from forever. God is just a facet of the universe and not a conscious being that's able to make decisions being able to decide between choices, being able to interact with the world in any meaningful sense. He is indistinguishable from nothingness. He's indistinguishable from just fatalism. There's no difference functionally. Uh, there, there's, it's, it's a non-concept. This is one of the problems that George H. Smith points out about negative attributes. They don't give us any positive idea of God, and God is just an abstraction that is useless. It, it's, it's indistinguishable from nothing. He points out that even this knowledge of the future, if God knows the future infallibly, even God cannot change that future because it's known with infallible certainty. So God is impotent to change what always will be. As so is man. We are all fated. In the classical system, God is as much subject to fate as everyone else. George H. Smith talks about Molinism and how they try to characterize events as free, which contradicts the terminology that we're already dealing with, where things are eternally fixed. When things are, when are, there's infallible knowledge that these events are going to happen. So, in what sense are they free? They're not free. It's a contradiction in terms, contradiction in ideas. He also talks about all these attributes of God being abstract and they're not concrete. They, they're nothing that we have familiar with. Oh, God has goodness. That's, that's a different quality than the goodness we know about. Oh, God has knowledge. That's a different quality than the knowledge that we know about. God has power. That's a different quality than, than uh, the power we have knowledge with. Not in terms of scope, not that God just has more knowledge than us, but it's an entirely different type of knowledge that it's ungenerated, it's unverified, it's as if all facts are just eternally at the forefront of God's mind. And in it, some instances in open theism, that's their idea of omniscience, that as facts come into existence, there's an instant flow straight to the mind of God without any receiving from outside himself. It's just if there's a fact, it's automatically in God's mind. It's, it's, it's an automatic process where all facts are eternally present to the forefront of God's mind. I find it interesting that him, having apparently read the Bible, doesn't take Christianity to task for these concepts. Whereas in the Bible, God looks to see, that's a pretty common expression that God is in heaven and he looks upon the ways of the earth and the eyes of God are on the ways of the good and the wicked. It's like a visual verification that's talked about again and again. And he doesn't take Christianity for task for negating the mechanisms of knowledge acquisition attributed to God within the Bible. That's something I really hope atheists start doing more and more, becoming more biblically literate, to take Christians to task 
on the Bible that atheists tend to, when they're in conversation with Christians, just cede that territory automatically to the Christian and say, oh, you're the expert on the Bible, and uh, then we'll philosophically go through these, rather than fundamentally challenging the Christian's take on their own scriptures. How much the Christian cares about accurately understanding and believing their own scripture set, uh, the atheists tend not to get into that territory. George H. Smith acknowledges what a lot of Christians don't want to acknowledge, that this is this knowledge that we're talking about is, is not similar to our knowledge in any way, that it's uh, non-acquired and non-verified knowledge, knowledge that is immediate and infallible, knowledge inherent in God's nature. This is the type of knowledge that we're talking about, which is often in even conversations between open theists and non-open theists, this point is not brought up. This, this critical idea of knowledge is not introduced in this conversation, the type of omniscience that they want to attribute to God. And uh, the conversation goes on as if God's just looking in the future and then acquiring the knowledge through looking into the future. And that's how God knows the future. That's not, that's not the type of omniscience that they believe God has. God doesn't look to see. God doesn't predict. God doesn't uh, acquire knowledge from outside himself. It's immediate, ungenerated knowledge within God's very being. Without establishing this basis, they're allowed to make arguments, build off of that false premise, something they don't actually believe, and make coherent arguments, things that they don't themselves believe if they looked at the type of omniscience they want to attribute to God. That's why it's very important to establish very early in a conversation what they're actually arguing for, because if they're arguing for God looking and then reacting based on what he sees, they're arguing open theism. They are arguing that God has volition, the future can be changed, the future is not set, and the things God can have, falsifiable knowledge, knowledge that turns out not to be true. Anyways, I want to just highlight this uh, great atheist book. If you read one book on atheism, one book by an atheist against Christianity, it should be this, Atheism, the Case Against God by George H. Smith. Uh, questions, comments, throw those in the YouTube section. Start a thread on God is open. Thank you for listening.